Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, FTS Nation, and welcome to a special breaking news episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. It's taken a while to get this gang back together, but I am glad that they are here under kind of strange circumstances. But what else would you expect surrounding Alec Murdoch? Just to lay the ground real quick, uh, there was a 65-page motion filed in the South Carolina Court of Appeals today. And uh, momentarily, in just about 15 minutes time, we are expecting a press conference from Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin course, uh, defense counsel for Alec Murdoch claiming that he now deserves a new trial because of jury tampering. It would not be an STS episode without a dog barking as Amy tries to quiet the dog. I love it. So uh, I always think to myself, imagine if this was CNN with dogs barking, but it is a new age of media and we're bringing to you the best possible coverage with the best attorneys. For those who do not know, you have Taylor Bell, the handsome fella in the suit that looks like a lawyer is a lawyer. Uh, he received his Juris Doctorate back in 2011. He worked at the Public Defender's Office for six years. Uh, in 2015, he received intensive additional training in the art of jury persuasion, which is interesting because this appeal here today has to do with a different sort of jury persuasion that we're going to get into. Amy Zimmercheck, whose dog is by her side, which I love, and an unknown gentleman peering over, which I love even more. Uh, she's the owner of AJZ Law Firm, LLC. She focuses on criminal defense, PCRs, and plaintiff cases in both state and federal courts. She's been a super lawyer as long as we've all been alive. Uh, 10 not guilties uh, on felony cases since 2009, including murder and rape. So how about that? And then Amy Lawrence Lovely, you know her for her lovely mouth she'll try not to curse today uh, she fights for the civil rights of the wrongfully accused every day in her practice at the lovely law firm i always have to say this she was on mtv's teen mom too she's been on the dr phil show she's done it all so uh amy zimmercheck straight off to you we'll get into the details as we go here by the way we are awaiting a press conference at the bottom of the hour uh, we are going to take that live and watch it together as we do here on uh, SDS with the best guests, but no offense to the guests, better community, as I like to say. Uh, Amy Zimmercheck, 65-page motion. The bottom line here, uh, Alec Murdoch's defense team is basically accusing the uh, clerk of court, her name is Rebecca Hill in Colton County, of jury tampering, of trying to persuade the jury uh, to go up, do media interviews with her, uh, telling her, telling them essentially uh, to hurry up with their verdict, uh, things of this nature. Uh, is this much ado about nothing? Some of these allegations sound pretty serious to me, but I am no lawyer. How do they sound to you? No, they sound very serious. If if a you know if a clerk were telling my jury to um, you know to disregard the case that I put up or don't get the wool pulled over their eyes by the defense. I mean, I'd have a huge problem with that. I think, um, you know, the timing of this is concerning. Um, but you know, it, 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 it is particularly concerning that 
um, you know, that there are multiple affidavits, um, you know, obviously you have to weigh the credibility of the evidence that's presented to you. Um, you know, and, and the question is, I know that they were asked if they had had any influences. Maybe they just didn't understand that the clerk of court was an influence, even when he said outside influence, maybe they thought, maybe they thought, you know, somebody outside the courthouse, but I could tell you if, you know, if a, if a juror, if a jury is being influenced by those court officials with whom they feel a close connection with, I mean, they spend a lot of time with them uh, and away from everyone else, then I, I do think that that's a problem. And uh, we're going to hear straight from uh, Jim Griffin and Dick Harpoolian, as far as we know, at the bottom. Uh, Sybil Bergeron, oh, Lord, please tell me the clerk of court did not do that. Shout out to Ketchup. Shout out to Mish watching us in Cape Town, South Africa. Um, Taylor Bell, is this a southern thing? Buckle up. This is going to be a twisted up spaghetti sandwich. Um, I don't know if that's a southern slang right there for something a lot worse than what it sounds like. But um, according to uh, this motion that was filed uh, in the Court of Appeals. They're accusing uh, the court clerk as well, uh, whose name is Rebecca Hill, of telling outright, just telling jurors not to trust Alec Murdoch when he testified uh, in his own defense. These are obviously really serious allegations. Um, what do you make of this? And there is a shot of the clerk of court, Rebecca Hill, thanks to the COE. Uh, you can see in that shot on the left, Judge Clifton Newman in the background um, as she swears in a witness. Uh, what say you, Taylor Bell, about all this? I've never heard of a spaghetti sandwich. Um, <laughs> don't think I'll enjoy it. Way too many carbs. i got to watch my diet as it is right now. Um, I have heard to buckle up, put your big boy pants on. Uh, but uh, in terms of what I think it, I think it's a, it is a Hail Mary to a certain extent. Um, however, uh, if what is listed in these affidavits um, is accurately portrayed and not piecemealed together, uh, which I think there is uh, some piecemealing of putting different affidavits to, to make one big story of this overarching influence by the clerk of court. But, but if it is accurate, that's, that's very troublesome, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, troublesome on many different grounds for the entire you know judicial system down there um if this is something that regularly occurs which i'm not making one comment one way or the other this was a special case with lots of uh, media coverage obviously uh, here speaking on it right now and in the backdrop she knew that there was a book deal in place and i guess she just couldn't wait to uh to, to get that, uh, that publisher check. I don't know. Um, but it, there are very disturbing things here and I've got thoughts on the Avenue, but I guess this is the only Avenue in which they could pursue this type of, uh, claim as quickly as possible. So they essentially asked this, the court of appeals to, to stay the appeal so that they could file down in circuit court, uh, the motion for a new trial, and then they attached a copy of the motion that they plan to, to file. So they're waiting on the Court of Appeals to give them approval or denial of the stay of the appeal. So there, there's not even a hearing set on this and any of that. They've got to get approval first from the Court of Appeals. 
Uh, Amy Lawrence, lovely, coming to you first. But uh, Jim Griffin and Dick Harpootlian uh, claim to have three, at least three sworn statements from jurors. This is from jurors 630 at the Alec Murdoch trial. On uh, juror 630 says, I had questions about Mr. Murdoch's guilt, but voted guilty because I felt pressured by other jurors. She, meaning the uh, the uh, county clerk here, Rebecca Hill, asked jurors about their opinions about Mr. Murdoch's guilt or innocence. She instructed them not to believe evidence presented in Mr. Murdoch's defense, including his own testimony. She lied to the judge to remove a juror she believed might not vote guilty, and she pressured jurors to reach a guilty verdict quickly so she could profit from it. Uh, this is a direct quote in sworn testimony from juror 630. What's going through your head, Amy Lawrence? Lovely. This is pretty serious stuff, I think. What I'm thinking is, holy shit balls, we're going to get do this all over again, is what I'm thinking, right? That's what's running through my mind. I think that's probably running through everybody's mind. Um, if this were one affidavit, um, I probably wouldn't give it as much credence, right? Um, but the problem is, is now we have three out of out of 12 jurors that are coming forward and saying this, that are willing to go on the record under penalty of perjury of law. And this is exactly what our system is not supposed to do. I mean, that's the one thing that sets us apart from every other nation, is that we're supposed to have, supposed to have this fair and about and at the very least the court of clerk that she knows better than anybody this is not some random person that's saying something at the grocery store this is the one person who knows better than anybody and taylor did you say that she has a book deal you're looking at the book right here uh she yes, had a she book yes, yeah. she has a you know, it tells a way better story with a conviction right yeah well here's the book we're looking at the book cover here and according to this appeal uh being filed uh, i mean this this motion that was filed um, she was in talks. This is, again, the, the clerk of court, Rebecca Hill. She was in talks with a, at least one production company where she specifically asked that they show her book cover, the one that we're looking at. The book is called Behind the Doors of Justice. I believe it is out and for sale uh, on Amazon. Not that I'm plugging it, but I believe that is uh, the current it, state of affairs. But I mean, it was, it was released like two weeks ago. So, two, yeah. So, I mean, Amy Zimmerchek, back to you on this. I mean, we're looking at this book cover right here. And, uh, you know, she was allegedly talking to production companies about sh the only way she would give interviews uh, of these jurors. She traveled, by the way, with at least three jurors to New York City was if the production company showed the book cover. I mean, Again, I'm not a lawyer, but this sounds pretty troubling. Uh, Amy, with two E's, what do you say? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was re. Um, I was just going to. I, it's act. It's funny because it's part of the exhibit. Um, they made the book cover and like one, two, three, four, eight, eight or so pages of the book as um, exhibits to the motion as well. Um, you know, and it. You know, going back, I I did see two different jurors um, with affidavits and then, you know, the affidavit of Tim Stone. Um, you know, I guess it, it's really going to come down to a credibility thing. I mean, I think that the judge is going to have to call all the jurors back in and ask if they saw this behavior 
Um, why didn't they say anything? Why did they wait? Um, because I do believe that that goes into the credibility, you know, of the information provided. I do think that, um, sorry, that the, uh, you know, that the Facebook stuff, I mean, we had heard right when that happened, we had heard that, that there was some questionable motives behind it, that maybe she wasn't going to vote guilty or, or something like that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, don't think that's crazy though, Amy, is that when, when this happened and, and um, Egg Lady, we call her Egg Lady, Egg Lady gets dismissed. I mean, the first thing out of the gate was, is that she was the one that was on the fence. She was the one, if one was going to go not guilty, it was going to be her. And now they're alleging that this Facebook post was never made. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that Judge um, Newman said was, um, he, and I don't know if this was quoted or if it was in the trial, because Lord, it's all like meshing together at this point. I'm not exactly sure of the detail, but he he, he had a problem with um the clerk of court asking these questions this was not this was not her job this is not what she's supposed to be doing and yet she takes the helm you know interrogates a, a juror on her own and then brings this to the court and now she was off and we knew immediately right after that they all said she was the one that if anyone was going to go for the defense or not guilty that would hang it it would be her it's just crazy that this is This is just real quick, just to refresh everyone's memory. So there was a juror that was dismissed and had to do with a a Facebook post. So according to the appeal, it says that uh, the clerk, uh, Rebecca Hill, lied to Judge Newman during this six week trial about this Facebook post that led to the dismissal of the juror. Um, Hill said that the juror's ex-husband posted that she was talking about the case and about what the verdict would be. Uh, the clerk court, the court clerk, Rebecca Hill, never presented the post to Judge Newman. She only showed the judge some sort of a, an apology from the ex-husband's account. But the apology apparently did not come from the ex-husband's account after all. So she kind of fabricated this entire post, which is. Uh, hey, they're is saying really- that the press conference has started. OK, we are uh, trying to get the press conference. Uh live here stand by y'all uh it's going to be a second um as we try to get the press conference going here um rockin dawkins here south carolina uh i predict if a new trial is granted it will be moved to columbia the liberal county liberal judges in my opinion no conviction can be obtained there here we go everyone we're going to try to get that's not jim griffin on the law that is the law of the land and i want to quote from a decision from the South Carolina Court of Appeals, which is behind me, and states this, where there is a private communication of a court official to members of the jury, an occurrence which cannot be tolerated if the sanctity of the jury system is to be maintained. A new trial must be granted unless it clearly appears that the subject matter of the communication was harmless and could not have affected the verdict. What we had filed today, it, it supported by sworn testimony of jurors is that the clerk of court had improper private communications with the jurors and the subject matter the subject matter of those communications was the credibility of the defense that the murdoch legal defense team put up and it was the believability of the defendant's own testimony now there's been a lot of said talked about whether alex should have taken the stand i can assure you I can assure you 
when we considered what factors and what we should and should not do and considered whether he should take the stand, we never considered the likelihood, as reported to us by the jurors, that the clerk of court would go in to the sanctity of the jury room before he testified and tell the jurors, don't be fooled by his testimony, watch out for his body language. And, and that is what the sworn testimony that we have filed in court today says. And if that is true, which we have every reason to believe that it is, and no reason to believe that it's not, there's no choice but the courts to grant a new trial. Thank you. Any questions? No? no. Okay. <laughs> well, I think we observed it. We did. No, I was there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was there. I watched it. But, I mean, look, we're, we were not looking to impute any nefarious conduct. Uh, but clearly what the, what the jurors reported to us, that they were off talking, the floor lady and the clerk. Um, I saw them together. But, you know, I wasn't watching. I believe, look, I've been doing this almost 50 years. The bedrock of any trial, and I've done hundreds of them, is that the clerk of court is the uh, the person that makes sure the jury gets their food it's if, if they're put up for the night someplace to stay their travel accommodations are, are, are met they're not someone that ever should talk to them about the case i've never had it happen again i've been doing this for a very long time never heard of it happening until this case and one, one, one thing we want everyone to understand that the clerk of court is an elected official by the people, not appointed by the judge, not appointed by the judiciary. It's a public official who's elected and is an independent state actor. And so that what we are complaining about in the motion that we filed today is the conduct of an elected official, not conduct by Judge Newman or anybody in the unified court system. And I think it's important also to understand that she is a state actor, and that's why we forwarded today a letter to the U.S. attorney asking them to open an investigation into the violation of Alec Murdoch's civil rights by a state actor under, under color of state law. This is an interesting story. Let Jim tell you. So immediately in the aftermath of the verdict, we um, had received information that that we needed to look into what happened in the jury room. Um, we uh, started down that road and and we met a zone of silence. No jurors would speak to us, and so we were, you know, what I like to call we were given the Heisman, right? And then when the clerk of court wrote her book, published her book. That zone of silence collapsed, and jurors were upset about that, the ones we talked with, and they were more than willing to come forward and tell us the things <clears throat> that, that we had sort of heard through a whisper campaign. But, uh, and, and so as a result of that, we were able to interview some jurors. Now, there's still a number of jurors who maintain that zone of silence, who have not talked to us. We did try to reach out to most all of them that we could get in touch with, but... We, you know, the information we got, I can tell you, was independent of each juror. The first juror we talked to, we got information about Ms. Hill saying, don't be fooled. And, and then the second juror, independent of the first juror, 
says the same thing, and the third juror, independent of the other two, say the same thing. And so we're very confident that the information is accurate. Well, and, and, and what what ask them? I mean, that's, we don't have any control over that. We just did receive a notice from the Court of Appeals that the Attorney General has 10 days to respond to our motion, okay? Now, I think what's interesting to me, again, having done this for so long, is that we, once we had that initial contact with that first juror, uh, we began going around, we had a list, and knocking on, literally, on Sundays, knocking on jurors' doors, asking them to speak with us. Some of them wouldn't come out, some of us told us never to come back, um, but, but some did, and some talked to us, um, I'll give you an example, and uh, one of the things we heard was once the jury went out, um, even though there were six smokers and they were given smoke breaks during the entire trial, once the jury went out, they were told, no more smoke breaks. No, you're not, you people that want nicotine, you're gonna have to get a verdict first. I mean, it's that kind of stuff. Now that indicates something, and the court would be the one to communicate that. What, why? So uh, a, a bunch of folks told us stuff that appeared to be um, inconsequential, but in the total context indicated to us uh, that, that what we've put in this petition about the cork uh, is credible. Um, and based on sworn testimony from two jurors, um, and we interviewed a third, uh, uh, my paralegal Holly Miller has given you an affidavit or filed an affidavit on what she told us. A lot of these folks just don't want to get involved. But they're going to be involved if we get a hearing because each and every one of them is going to have to testify in an open court before you as to what happened and what didn't happen. <laughs> Wait, one at a time. Who? Well, and that's a good point. There's no suggestion that the, the, that the judge did anything untoward. But what that does do, if it comes back, he may end up being a witness. Um, so, I mean, it's, but until the Court of Appeals acts, that issue does not have to be dealt with. If, if the fact is that the court was aware of some of these issues, but still didn't intervene, how concerned are we you? Don't know, we, we don't know that he didn't intervene. That's why I'm saying he's a witness. We need to know. You know, that's, that's not the legal test. The legal test is, is the subject matter prejudicial to the defense? It's not, would, would it have made a difference in the outcome? Was the subject matter of the improper private conversation material to the defense? If it's immaterial, like, like what do you want to have for dinner? Um, you know, do you want to take a smoke break? Do you want to go home? Those are immaterial matters. But when the subject matter is, and is reported under oath by these jurors, it was a direction on how you should receive Alec Murdoch's testimony. You should look at him. Don't be fooled by him. That subject matter is absolutely material. That's the core of our defense. And that is something that we had no chance to defend against. And so we strongly believe if that evidence is accurate and the law will require a new trial. So if this is all true, do you think the clerk should be criminally charged? No comment. Well, I can't talk about attorney-client privilege information. I can tell you that, that when I shared with him the affidavits, he's a lawyer. He was astonished. He was shaking. 
he, he was in disbelief and he thanked Mr. Harpoolian, Mr. Barber, and myself for spending our weekends on dirt roads in Colleton County. And by the way, we've seen more of Colleton County <laughs> on dirt roads um, in places we didn't, we're city boys, we didn't believe existed in this state, um, looking for folks that would talk to us. A lot of doors slammed in our face. A lot of doors slammed in our faces. I'm sorry? No comment. I'm sorry, what? It's all serious. Everything we've alleged, everything in those affidavits is serious. This is a very serious matter. Um, and again, um, so what, what, what you see in the sworn testimony that's been filed, been filed today is Ms. Hill told the court that there was a Facebook post by this juror's ex-husband. The ex-husband has filed an affidavit saying, I've never posted a Facebook post. Ms. Hill in her, in her uh, office says, he must have deleted it, we can't find it. But they produced an, a Facebook post from someone with the same name, apologizing for an earlier Facebook post and that Satan made him do it and, I, and et cetera, et cetera. And Ms. Hill related that as being this juror's ex-husband Ms. Hill had this juror's ex-husband's photograph. You can match them up. They don't match. And what we do know, and, and we laid it out in detail in our, in our brief, is that the apology Facebook post was posted, I think, on February 16th and said we had deleted it the day before, February 15th. Ms. Hill is telling Judge Newman on February 23rd that I just saw this Facebook post. Impossible. Impossible. We also have in there sworn testimony that Ms. Hill told this juror that SLED went out and confirmed with your ex-husband that he posted that. Not true, according to the sworn testimony. And, and, and uh, Phil Barber and, and I and Holly Miller from my office went down and interviewed the ex-husband, and he allowed us to, I wouldn't know how to do it, but Phil did, to download his entire Facebook history. None of that is in there. So, I mean, again, we've done what we can do. We're not the police. You know, we've, we have no way to compel anybody to talk to us or give us anything. We've asked very nicely. Now, I will say this. The two jurors that gave affidavits have an attorney, Joe McCullough, who was skulking around here a moment ago back there. So if you want to know about those two jurors, you may want to have a chat with him. What's the, moment, what's the motivation of the jurors what? talking to you? Wait, what? What's the motivation, do you think, of the jurors talking to you? Are they upset with the clerk? I think they were upset with the way things went and the, the clerk, I think they may very well, well, yes, they're upset with the clerk. They're upset with the way this played out. Are they regretting their, their vote? Can't comment on that. In the Facebook post, the person who posted the original post, have you ever gotten an opportunity to speak with them? And if so, No, no. I mean, we, well, the original post, we don't know whether it ever existed. Well, um, but the apology post, did you speak with him, Phil? No, did we speak with him? no, no, we did not speak. Well, as you know, having talked to the FBI before, no. <laughs> They're not going to tell us anything. In your letter to the U.S. Attorney, you mentioned the importance of having the FBI investigate as opposed to SLED, for example. Can you talk about the importance of having 
Well, having anybody but Sweat investigated. Sweat is very invested in this conviction. How invested? Well, uh, the agent, David Owens, that testified under cross-examination by Jim, admitted two things. One, he perjured himself in front of the grand jury. And two, he fabricated evidence. Sweat made him this year's Law Enforcement Officer of the Year. So is that the agency that ought to be going to jurors? I don't think so. I think that um, the, the court, whenever if this is remanded back, the trial court should pick somebody else. If the FBI is not doing it, then there are plenty. There's the sheriff's departments. There are other folks, not Colleton County, but other sheriff's departments that they could go out and interview jurors or bring them to court. I mean, all these jurors are going to end up testifying anyway. There may not be any reason to go out and interview them. They may just bring, put a subpoena on them, bring them to court. Yeah, I mean, that's something that that, that would happen if we get the hearing that we've requested. That's why we've requested the hearing, so that we can get subpoena power and we, we can get some subpoena, not just individuals come to court, jurors come to court, witnesses come to court, but subpoena records, phone records, for example, uh, uh, emails, for example. I mean, so with a hearing, we have a broad array of uh, assets at our disposal to, to bring evidence to court. Right now, we've got nothing except... Dick's Mercedes and uh, dirt roads in Collin County. No, we've not had any juror contradict anything what the other jurors are saying. What what you, Jen, what what you saw in our in, in some of the affidavits is um, the, the jurors were separated in two rooms and sort of broke up from you know guys in in one room, gals in another room. I don't know if that was appropriate. Men in one room, <laughs> females in another room, and and so the the comments that that we've we've gotten on the sworn affidavits come from the ladies' room, if you will, more so than the men's room. But we you know we we do have information that we submitted from one juror where he he does acknowledge that she talked to him about evidence, about autopsy photos, and don't be upset about them. I mean that should not be happening. That should not be happening. And, and, and this juror is a smoker, and you know he relayed to us basically the coercive effect of people who have a nicotine habit not able to um, smoke until they reach a verdict. Until they reach a verdict, and so that's what we got. Wait, wait, wait a second. Yeah. Do what now? Yeah, I mean, I'll read it for you after we get done with this, but I, I don't, I don't think I ought to keep all these folks doing that. Well, you got to, you got to get a new trial before you get there, and that's, that's not something we're going to talk about today. And, yes, ma'am. Okay, we're going to hit pause right now. You won't miss a moment of this press conference. And uh, that is. Uh, Court TV, uh, letting us look in at the press conference. Uh, what we were just watching uh, was outside the uh, steps of the South Carolina Court of Appeals. Uh, that was Alec Murdoch's defense team. You know them well by now. Dick Harputlian and uh, Jim Griffin making very serious allegations against the clerk of court in Colton County. Her name is Rebecca Hill. Uh, as they pointed out, she's an elected official. Uh, and they allege that she was essentially jury tampering, uh, messing around with the jurors, 
Uh, at least three of them gave sworn affidavits, uh, which were attached to this motion. Uh, and Alec Murdoch's defense team asserts that his constitutional rights were compromised. Jim Griffin, uh, Amy Zimmerchek, at one point said uh, they asked him what Alec Murdoch's response was. He said that he was, quote unquote, astonished, shaking in disbelief and thanked us for spending our weekends on dirt roads in Carlton County. Uh, Amy Z, you are muted, but uh, unmute yourself and tell me what you thought of that press conference just now. Trust me, uh, the uh, sensitive, the sensitive ears would be glad that I was muted. Um, I just, you know, it. it... She's speechless. <laughs> A lawyer who is speechless. Like, well, no, bombshells. Because I have to choose what I say carefully. Um, but like Dick, just like right at the beginning of the conference, uh, uh, press conference. Oh, what? No questions? No questions? Okay, well, I'll just walk away. Like, you know, and then he's, um, and then he's, you know, oh, no comment, no comment, no comment. Um, and so one of the things, the nuances that really, also stood out to me was Jim kept saying, if these things are true, you mean these things that you had people swear to under oath and then file in the court? Like, I hope that they're true since you filed them in the court of appeals and have now held a press conference and put them out to the world. Um, so just the, thank you. The nuances of, of their, just the way that they play on work. If this happened, it's total bullshit, and he deserves a new trial, just like anybody. If this happened to anybody, any defendant, he deserves a new trial. Do we all agree on that? If this happened, I would agree. If this absolutely happened, and we don't think he did it. What they say, and she had influence. He should get a new trial um, because that's not how our system works in this country. That's not right. why our forefathers and ancestors, you know, fought, you know, in, in wars to give us the right to public trials the right to impartial juries, the right to cross-examine, all the rights that come along with the being- The integrity of the process is, is- At the end of the line. day, when we get a guilty verdict in a case, you want it to be correct. And you want it to have the right process. And that's why we do what we do, even when we represent people that are unpopular. Um, so as much as everyone wants to hate on Dick and, you know, and Jim right now, uh, and there's lots of reasons to, Okay, I'm not I'm not sitting there and saying that they're they're perfect people, uh, but there is the bedrock to uh, the criminal justice system in uh, this country, and it's a fair and impartial jury. And when you have a public official that's exerting any kind of influence um, onto the decisions that they're making, um, that that's a problem for me. Uh, you know, I always thought from the get go that there was a problem with this trial um, and not sequestering jurors to a certain extent. I always thought from, from day one, no one had ever made a motion to sequester jurors and, and, and on either side. And I think it would typically have to come from the government uh, if they want to. Um, I, I thought there was a problem there and this shows that now this ended up being a six-week trial and no one expected it to last that long it would have cost the state of south carolina or actually Collison county a, a whole bunch of money uh, but these are the types of influences that you worry about 
Uh, you worry about quick decisions based on, all right, I got to get out of here. Now, I'm, I'm actually astonished. There's six people out of 12 that smoke cigarettes um, in this day and age. Holy cow. That, that doesn't say a lot for the health of my community. I'm really concerned about this now. I need to go on a public campaign about, guys, we've had this talk. Cigarettes are not good for you. Um, but uh, sorry. Anyways, I, I yeah, know. Well, well, Taylor, Mish brings up this comment, um, and Amy Lawrence to get your take on this. Love how uh, Dick Harpootlian and Jim Griffin aren't saying here's new evidence showing he never did it. They're just saying someone told the jury what to do, tells us everything we already knew. That's sort of the cynical eye. But is that, and then that's followed here by a, an opposing view from Rock and Doc in South Carolina. If this happened, does not matter. Uh, he should get a new trial. Um, this is just all about the integrity of this uh, clerk of court and the jury system. Um, again, these are really serious allegations. Uh, Jim Griffin at the beginning of this said, um, and it is interesting what Amy Z said, because they read a very, very brief statement. We almost couldn't get to it in time. And then, uh, you know, they tried to walk off saying, oh, no, no questions. And the questions came in rapid fire succession. But Jim Griffin said it was all uh, it's all supported by sworn testimony from at least three of the jurors. Uh, it brings in uh, the credibility of the defense. That's the jurors were being compromised in that sense. The believability of Alec Murdoch's own testimony. The jurors were apparently being told uh, not to believe a word he was saying. Now, they were being told to watch his body language. Jim Griffin said no choice, but we have to have a new trial. Amy, do you agree with that comment? If, if, if they get on that stand and they testify to what's in those affidavits, absolutely, he should get a new trial, period. But let's, okay, I'm going to go off the rails here, okay? Mm-hmm. This is what I'm really good I'm at. Not to too much. Go for it. Okay, let's talk about what wasn't said. Okay, what wasn't said but was said, okay? I heard um, uh, some defense attorneys who were trying to make the judge a witness, which means he would have to recuse himself if he becomes a witness in this case. Am I right here, Taylor? Amy? We were texting each other. Ooh, (laughs) I find it ironic. And I, the Silver Fox, I love Joe McCullough, right? He represented Connor Cook. We always saw him. He's the good-looking guy with the longer silver hair uh, in the background of the trial. He represented Connor Cook, and now he's representing um, one or two of these witnesses, these jurors. And then... um, um, Joe, who's Joe's old um, law partner? Uh, you got the, me stumped. His law partner is Kathy Scalacci? No, his old law partner. Yeah, they, they were all partners together. Who? I'm pretty sure Dick uh, was a partner, and I think oh. with Joe McCullough, and I think LaVenice was as well at one point right. in time. No, you're, they right. All, you're right. Weren't they all together in the same office at some point? Mm, yep, yep, you're right. Yep. Mm. That's just yeah, all kind of really incestuous and weird. I am. I'm really um, I, I want to see this hearing before Judge Newman. I want all those jurors to get on the stand and swear an oath in front of the world and and tell us what happened. And if this happened, he should get a new trial. And Amy Z, to that point, um, what is the next step now? So this was filed in the Court of Appeals. Um, I think he said that the uh, state uh, attorney general has 10 days to respond. I mean, how soon could we see movement inside a courtroom uh, regarding these matters? 
Uh, I think fairly quickly because basically what they've so the Court of Appeals doesn't decide this motion. Um, but but the, since the Court of Appeals is where the case is pending, they're basically asking the court to put a stay on their on their clock and say, don't, you know, just ignore. We're just putting a pause button because we need to go back to get out of that plant. Hey, sorry, there's a dog in a plant. I love um, surviving. Survivor. We got to go back to. <laughs> we have to go back to the. Um, you know, to the jurors, I too am um, interested to see each one of those jurors testify as to whether this did or didn't happen, because I think here's something that's interesting that could happen. Stop it. Um, is if you, if we get the two juror affidavits who said these specific things, like uh, the specific things that, that were in the two juror affidavits were that she told us not to believe his testimony and that uh, she the clerk of court would frequently go off with the foreman of the jury, the new foreman. Sometimes they would go into the bathroom, which it was very weird. Um, but if you have two jurors that say that, and then you have 10 jurors or 14, as it were, 15, whatever, however many um, alternates were left, because the alternates stay in that room as well, and right up until deliberations. So if these were happening before the trial was over, they could attest to that too. But let's say you only have two that say it did happen, and then you have 14 or 15 or 13 people saying it didn't happen. I, I, you know, I, I don't know what happens at that point. Um, you know, I think that that's an interesting. Well, I think it just means it didn't happen in front of them. Yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, conundrum. If like two and not not the majority, what do they do? But um, Taylor Bell, um, Dick Harpootlian made it a point to say he's been doing this for uh, close to 50 years. He says that the clerk of court uh, is the bedrock of uh, of the courthouse and should never, ever talk about the case. Had you ever heard of uh, of this happening? I've not. I've, I've not heard of a clerk going in there and uh, talking to the jurors about the facts of the case and the credibility of particular witnesses. If that's true, very, very troublesome. Uh, you know, I've heard of some, some wild stuff before. Um, I mean, I've always wondered what exactly goes on in a jury trial um, back in the, back in the jury deliberation. Uh, I, I'm always very interested in, I, I tried a magistrate level, which is low level case, but two weeks ago on a driving under the influence charge. Um, and you could hear a couple of them back there um, talking, but uh, you couldn't really make out, but it was 10 minutes and they were in and out and had their decision of not guilty. And I try to ask questions afterwards of jurors um like even guilty verdicts hey what did i do right what did i do wrong um you know and i always make it a point if if you know to, to thank them for their service always one way or the other that i'm just there you can tell me to kick rocks and i promise you i'll never contact you again um but if you're willing to answer some questions i'd love to hear from you um and, and years and years ago when i was a public defender um, I had one juror tell me in a case 
And this is a low level offense that my client had already served the maximum amount of time. So he couldn't be punished any further. And then it, I, I couldn't get in contact with him. But after the trial, um, I heard a jerk couldn't get in contact being my client. Um, I had a, uh, a juror tell me he didn't testify. So that meant something that that meant that he did it. And the judge is the one that tells them specifically, you're not supposed to take the fact that the, the defendant didn't testify and use it against him. And that was the one thing that he told me he did. So I, I'm always, you know, there's nefarious things going on back there, not intentionally because they're not, you know, they're, they're doing what their mind tells them to do back there. They're thinking and they're not paying attention. I don't think necessarily sometimes to what the judge instructs them, uh, and sometimes I think they are. I think it just depends on the personality of the juror. But if this goes through and if we get a hearing on this, we are going to learn so much about what goes on in the back of a juror, uh, jury room. And I think it's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be very informative to us criminal defense lawyers uh, as to things to think about. I think you might hear some arguments amongst the jurors that there were some people that liked each other, some people that didn't like each other. Um, and, and I'm very interested if they allow for a hearing on this. Mm. Uh, the COE shout out to her doing uh, yeoman's work behind the scenes. Already had she has the quotes up here. Dick Harpooley and the defense attorney. Uh, the clerk of court is the person that makes sure the jury gets food, a place to stay. They are not someone ever that should talk to them about the case. And he did say Dick Harpooley and that he was. Uh, he's been at this for close to 50 years. And then J Jim Griffin said when the clerk of court wrote her book, published her book, that's when the silence collapsed. Um, the comments here are really interesting. Uh, Jan Crawford says, trust me, I'm a lawyer uh, with the tear emojis. Um, of course, they didn't reach out to her. Uh, Harpootlian wrote on dirt roads. Wow, how condescending. Who believes that that Jim Griffin and Dick Harpulian drove their Mercedes and knocked on doors of jurors? Not I'm girl. not sure those uh, that Mercedes suspension can handle the potholes of our roads that uh, we I have. They had run flats. Yep. <laughs> um, but then there are uh, there are those people. Um, by the way, this is another comment here: uh, dirt road cigarettes, entitled white men. Um, I call BS, but. Uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, these, you know, in there, there are weaved through there are some really serious allegations. Uh, Jim Griffin said that we knew we needed to look into the jury room basically right after the trial. He said that's when they were met with a zone of silence. But once that book was published by the uh, clerk of court, that's when they started to talk. Uh, he did say they tried to reach out to most jurors and that they were knocking on doors on uh on Sundays, um, Dick Harpootlian said each juror is going to have to testify um, in open court. Um, again, Amy Z, to you on that. How, I mean, just for us lay people, what's the process now? I mean, how far away from a reality is that where we hear them in an open court? Interesting you should say that. I have had a case um, where they declared a mistrial. Um, because the state said that they saw one of the alternates hugging one of the people in my family. So they demanded that the, the judge declare a mistrial. 
Um, and then there were a bunch of hearings thereafter. Um, so, you know, I think that the state, um, before they respond, I think they have to reach out to the jurors, to all of the jurors, not just the ones that wrote um, affidavits and, and get that information. Um, and then, you know, but I think it could be um, put for a hearing relatively quickly because the, the, the Pella case is basically held in abeyance right now. So it's, it's on pause, um, you know, so I think that that, um, I think that that can all happen relatively quickly. So I have a question for Amy though. She's so Amy's the only person I think on here that's gotten someone off death row. Um, she, she's a hell of a lawyer and I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit here and say that Amy has got a lot of it pellet experience. And so I'm going to ask this question because I've only handled and filed two motions on after discovered evidence and they were based on factual evidence. Um, and there's two, this isn't really on factual actual innocence or anything. And so the standard underneath the rule of rule 29, which they filed the motion, Amy, how are we fitting this jury tampering into there from a, from a lawyer standpoint, I'm trying to. They're raising it as a structural error. Okay. A constitutional. Structure. I mean, that's what I think yeah. my, my position is, but they're, we're going to have to have a new rule because I pulled my rule book out and I was just looking and the elements, you know, that it could not have been discovered, you know, prior to try, obviously those all are met, but does it result in a different outcome? Right. I think that's where the, the question really comes in um, is also very carefully written in the affidavit from the one juror who said that they felt like they were rushed, like they had questions, but then they just almost felt bullied by the other jurors or whatever. So the question, but, but it, it, the way the affidavit was written, it didn't say, you know, but with eight more hours of deliberations or 20 more hours of deliberations, I would have found him not guilty or because the whole point of deliberations is to deliberate, to talk about the evidence, to talk about the different, um, you know, how how one person thinks about what the dog kennel video actually means versus what I think about what the dog kennel video actually means and how that all fits together. And then at the end of deliberations, you know, then if they were still firm um, that they had questions, you know, then that's different. And and so, you know, what you what it's a weird presentation because, you know, just because that juror said that they had questions doesn't mean that those questions would have been resolved with a not guilty vote versus a guilty vote. What it sounds like it's supposed to say, and I, and I think that it was done intentionally like that, is to say we were rushed, which I think we were all surprised at the quickness of the verdict. Um, but I think that, that that's what's going to be their biggest argument. It's, it's, it's structural. It doesn't matter whether it changes the outcome or not because it the outcome wasn't fair or the, the process to get to the outcome wasn't fair, so it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter if the, if the outcome wasn't fair only because the process wasn't fair. I'm not sure. I'm not saying, you know, he's guilty or innocent or, or whatnot. I wasn't on the jury. I didn't sit through all those days of evidence. However, I'm um, saying it. I'm saying you know, he's guilty. What, I, <laughs> no. I, 
you know, I, and, and we've all, I've always been on the, I said, he's a guilty part, um, you know, but it, it, um, it's just it raises interesting questions as to as to so, what that so many times we hear about like, this down the road you know we hear about this 10 years 20 years down the road about someone coming out of the woodworks it's not such close in time six months after that, that's pretty close uh most of the time you hear about this stuff after all the appeals process and you're now filing a habeas right and so this is just interesting and i think it's going to it's going to help, I guess, flush out a lot of the law for us and how this process procedurally works. And sorry, this is boring for your viewers. No, no, and, it, and it, but this gets this gets complicated. Amy, I want to ask you a quick question. I'll let you chime in. But um, so w it gets complicated because if I understand this, Amy Lawrence Lovely correctly, um, is it possible that Judge Newman could be subpoenaed as a witness here because of what he heard, and therefore would have to recuse himself? Would not be the judge. Is that what I understand? Is that do I understand that correctly? That when I was listening to their press conference, that is, I'm literally texting Amy, Amy Z, and and Taylor. I'm like, are they trying to make Judge Newman a witness to this bullshit? That mm. way he has to recuse himself. Or like, that's exactly what I'm. That's what I'm getting out of this. Um, that's exactly what I'm getting out of it. What about this question here, Mandy in Finland? How can one profit this way in that position, meaning the uh, clerk of court? I'm a former paralegal clerk in an attorney firm and district court in Finland. And had I written a book about a case, I'd had to find a new job. Amy Lawrence Lovely, uh, why can a clerk of court write a book Um about the case well if she was just a little bystander and not meddling in, in the shit of it all and getting right down in the mud um and and saying and doing the things that they're they're accusing her of it wouldn't be that big of a deal because she just you know a witness to all of it it wouldn't seem like that big of a deal but if she's sitting there influencing and this is the deal if it were just one witness i i'd say there's a little bit of smoke but it feels like there's a fire not just smoke when we have more than one person willing to come forward and make these kind of allegations. And I just think, and, and, and I think it's very dangerous for the system and its integrity. You know, no one should, should have anyone meddling in any trial. Amy um, Z, we tried that um, murder case in October of 2020. And I, lo I love talking to my jurors. I love it. They're my favorite people. Even if they don't like me, it's okay. Um, and I, I went and talked to a lot of those um, jurors. Some of them called me. And, and so a lot of times jurors will either wait for me after court or they will call me like a week later and want to talk about it because there's things that they had questions about or, you know, wanted to know about. And I'm super warm and friendly and, and they felt like I'm the one that they can talk to. And I remember after that trial, I, I went and had coffee with a juror and, was at, and he was asking questions and I was asking questions and he said, the one thing that bothered him the most is that he had a deputy who was um, ushering him, them back and forth, make a comment that they, he thought that our client was guilty as hell. And it took me back. Um, had I not had, um, if we'd not had a not guilty, right? If, we, if he had not, if he'd been found guilty, we would have had, we'd be going through the same thing. But that's what kind of happens. And if one person says it, you know, you're like, oh, that's like a really big allegation. And then that would make you go down the road to try to find if there's any more jurors that are willing to come forward and talk about that. And if there is, then we we got to question it because everybody deserves a fair trial, like it or lump it. 
Uh, Mo Dean is America's favorite troll, and he's uh, part of STS Nation. Let them smoke in the jury room like the good old days. I wouldn't have a problem with that, uh, except for secondhand smoke, and I'm not a smoker, and you can tell. Taylor Bell, the uh, picture of health, is not a smoker either. By the way, the guy's a good wrestler, from what I hear. Uh, Roxanne A. says, uh, Miss Hill, Rebecca Hill, can be charged for this. Amy Z., is she facing some sort of criminal liability uh, here? Um, could she be charged and for what? Obstruction of justice is the first thing I can think of. Um, uh, intimidating. Jury tampering. Is that a, that's a. There yeah, is a jury, jury tampering, tampering yeah. statute in state court. Yeah, there's we also, a jury tampering uh, What about uh public official charge they always throw out there for the sheriffs uh what's that one um oh yeah a violation of their public duty or yeah yeah you're watching lawyers in real time you're watching lawyers in real time there you go there you go uh <laughs> yeah. that's it that's mis- the misconduct in office we have a 10-year common law misdemeanor called misconduct in office these are lawyers in real time trying to remember uh yeah marcia says at this point at this point i would not trust anyone in Carlton county uh rock and dock in south carolina is all over this it wasn't three jurors one was an affidavit one was from his paralegal and her conversations with the juror amy z that's a pretty big distinction right um well, I, I see two. I, I mean, I'm holding them in my hands, and I have two affidavits from two different jurors. Yeah, um, I, I saw two affidavits from jurors. I, I'm looking at it on my yeah. other screen here. Two affidavits from jurors. Yeah, affidavit from jurors six thirty. Actually, three jurors from seven forty one, and from. You know, I I see where Miss. We lassie what she says about why did no one speak up before? Because I think a lot of times jurors are really intimidated by the process and they're scared that if they say something that that will trigger like a whole dumb, like exactly what we're looking at right now. And they don't want to be responsible for it. Yeah, I see three witness. I mean, three jurors. They're, they're scared. They are scared. They're this, scared I mean, that they no, can get in trouble for something weeks. because there's and, and the problem. It's not a problem, but part of it is the number of law enforcement uh, personnel that are around just make it kind of sometimes uncomfortable that, hey, there's someone bad here. Hey, this is a bad place to be. Hey, we're we're ushering you around this place because, hey, there's there's criminals out there and they're here with us. And that's why we have all these law enforcement personnel and they're in uniform, they've got their guns and all of that. And it's one of those things that, you know, you look over there and you think, all right, well, something's happened because law enforcement's over there. So that's kind of the back of their mind thinking. And I think that happens a lot of times that they're not really familiar with the process and are worried that they may get in trouble if they say something. Or that they did something wrong and they didn't even know, you know what I mean? They're scared that what if I did something wrong? And what if me speaking up is going to like, and I didn't even know I was doing anything wrong. You know, it's that kind of like fear that's running through their little heads. I get it. Uh, Julia Bala here says, should defense lawyers be able to knock on people's doors? They just send them a letter, don't they? They were trying to intimidate them, followed here by uh, Taylor Bell to you. 
if your whole audience doesn't buy this, meaning STS Nation, why are you buying it, Taylor Bell? Um, knock. So which one? Knocking doors or buying the the the, the claims that uh, Poot and Jim Griffin are making today? So. You know, what's that movie, Aaron Brockovich, that, that paralegal walk around uh, knocking on doors, looking at people who, you know, the cancer. And then there's that runaway juror thing. These movies are all why I have questions about the process. Um, what's that? What's that? The, the movie regarding the gun manufacturers and runaway juror. What mm-hmm. it, um, you know, I want a fair process. That's why I'm. That's why I'm not just calling BS to start with, because I want a fair process. And I think everybody wants a fair process, no matter what. Um, I think we all believe in the bedrock of a fair judicial system. And for a while, I think we've had within this state some issues with people saying that our election process of judges is not it is not proper um, that there should be modifications. And I'm not going to say one way or the other. My thoughts are, and I think there can be, I think we can always be improving. Um, however, this for the state itself, this trial and the fairness of this trial that was shown on TV, being public, seeing everything done was a poster child for those saying, look, all the things that have gone wrong previously in this state, look at this trial. This is what was right. And now that if this is true, it crumbles at some. You know, we had recently here in this state a an individual that was released uh, from prison based on some potential shady shit. Filings, shady stuff. He went missing once he was released. The family of the victims in the murder case never were made aware of this and it was all over the the state news here in south carolina well this trial was like but 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 the murdoff trial showed that it works uh and then we've got this coming out now this you know it's just one of those things that you know i don't want it to be correct but if it is i mean it's not fair it is not fair and that's what this is about is getting the right result through the right process. And if you get, if you do things the wrong way, you're going to get the wrong result. If you do things the right way, you're going to get the right result. And that's the way it should be. I mean, that's. And Taylor Bell is a man of integrity and not everyone is, uh, you know, not buying the hype. Tilo, who's a straight shooter from Boston. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm with uh, Dick and Jim here. All her mind was on. Uh, was money followed by John Bovey. I love that come from a Jersey guy. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm with Dick here. Uh, so, uh, you know, there are people here, uh, rock and Dawkins back on it. Uh, very vocal in this chat, uh, fair process, please. Uh, just a couple more uh, points and then we'll start to wrap this up. Uh, so after the verdict, uh, again, the uh, court of clerk, Rebecca Hill, whose name we didn't really know till today, she traveled to New York City with three jurors, uh, all to do interviews. Uh, she had uh, was in the process of writing her book, which Amy Z says was published about two weeks ago. It's called Behind the Doors of Justice. And Jim Griffin had some harsh words. He said, and I quote, Miss Hill betrayed her oath of office for money and 
fame, I mean, Amy Z, sort of a valid point if, 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 if all of this is true, right, Amy Z? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it yeah, it, it is a little disturbing. Uh, you know, it's the, the part, one of the parts, one of the more parts that, that disturbed me was that, yeah, she traveled with them to New York. Like, like I said, she was a liaison or a, or a, a rep for them that yeah that would be like is she is she gonna be their agent like that's kind of how like that yeah. made it sound like she was the agent and you couldn't get access through the jurors without going through her that that's what the picture is being painted in the filings you know i don't know how accurate that is or not but if that's the way a juror may have felt about it that's a problem it, um, it is, especially with her hand. There's um, allegations in there and in the affidavits that she handed out business cards from the media to the jurors, you know. Everything about this has an ick factor and it's not good. And if, like I said, if it were just one person saying this, I'd be like, eh, it's bullshit. But when we have three people saying it, you know, it's not just smoke, it's a fire. Uh, well, Cece, if, Cece wants to know what is the book publisher's liability. I'm no lawyer. I say zero. What say you, Amy Z? They're just uh, none, right? Oh no, and, and and that's what. So it was just weird. Like, there's obviously we're missing something too, because Jim kept saying the jurors got mad when the book came out. Yeah. What are, What is he not saying? Because what, what he's not saying is more important than what he is saying. Right, like, why is book? I mean, because one of the questions is, why is it coming up now? Like, if they had this information, why wasn't it immediately taken, um, you know, to to somebody? And because you know, um, what I think I think that one per that that it probably something happened with one juror, and they came forward and said something to an investigator or whoever. And believe me, if Jim and 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 her pulley and her going down dirt roads and knocking on a door, it's because they made an appointment. You know, it's one of the ones that came forward and said something to their investigator that was enough for them to get in the car and go because they feel like they have egg on their face because they lost this one. And I have a feeling that one said it and then it took a lot of work to get the other ones to come forward. And I'm, and I don't mean work to like talk them into saying something that wasn't true. I mean, work to get them to open up enough to tell the truth because that happens. That happens with witnesses. That happens with, you know, everyday people. That happens with our children, right? It takes work to get someone to feel like they're in a safe place to be able to to tell the truth of what happened. I totally get that. We see that every day. And I have a feeling it just took time to get them there. Mm, and um, knowing that they weren't alone to come forward and sign that affidavit is probably what put them over the edge to sign it because it wasn't just them. It was more than one. Michelle Price says, Joel, please have Eric Bland on. I would love to hear his comments on this. We had him on last night. Uh, check out the episode. It was great. It was obviously before this press um, conference, but we talked the press conference. Go ahead, Amy Lawrence. What do y'all think about Buster's interview? Uh, I have not Amy watched did. that yet, but uh, so it's, it, on Fox, it's on some nation. I can, I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you my, my username and password to our group chat and because <laughs> – it, we, we, we were all over it last night. It was against uh, everything in my being to get $5.99 to Fox anything, but I did it. And he just makes it so hard to feel sorry for him and have compassion. By the way, last night, last night we had a guy on named Collier Landry who was I a friend. I watched it. Yeah, watched his, it. it was so good. Yeah, his, uh, his father, Collier's father, and he talks about this openly, murdered his own mother. Um, 
He has a documentary called A Murder in Mansfield, Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, so he had super interesting perspective. And I think one of the strange takeaways last night, uh, for whatever reason, Collier is a very likable, uh, kind of empathetic God, individual. God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was that kind of that feeling missing, I think a lot of people felt with Buster Murdoch overall. But Collier really went to his defense and says, you know, you not you can't victim shame him. You can't blame him for Stephen Smith. There's not enough evidence regarding that. His father um, is accused of this horrific crime. So he, he he cautioned everyone to be really careful in how we deal with Buster Murdoch. But it's a great episode. Collier's got amazing insight. Check it out from last night. Uh, we went into uh, great depth. And uh, Eric Bland uh, was on during that show. Um, the headline here, everyone, is that outside the South Carolina Court of Appeals, Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin, the lead defense counsel for Alec Murdoch, basically are crying foul, saying that the uh, clerk of court, Rebecca Hill, was in essence jury tampering, messing with the jury. Uh, Taylor Bell is a defense attorney, but he was a public defender. He's been on both sides of the legal aisle as a uh, attorney, uh, a private attorney and and a uh, prosecutor. Taylor Bell, what's going to be the end result, putting you all on the uh, hot seat here? Are we going to get a new trial when it's all said and done, when the dust clears? I think there's a political backdrop to this uh, in the judicial system that will very questionably comb through this. And whether or not there's a new trial, I can't sit here and say that. Um, I am very interesting if they grant I, I think there's a likelihood they will grant a hearing, put a stay and grant a hearing. But whether or not there's a new trial, that's going to also be a process for appeals as well. Uh, outside of the actual direct appeal of the conviction itself uh, from the first trial, So I think the state, if they're granted a new trial, the state will appeal the grant of a new trial to a higher level court. And so we'll have an appellate process to hear whether or not that hearing was properly granted. There there are so many messy things procedurally that I'm so interested in. Um, I not one way or the other doesn't matter whether he's guilty or not guilty fair process, you get the right result. Unfair process, you get the wrong result. Let's shoot it straight for everybody in this country and let's give a fair process to everybody. And unfortunately, uh, we have a not so sympathetic defendant that we are having as a poster child for this argument. So I, I think he will get a hearing. What comes of that, I'm very, very interested in We may be talking again down the road if he does. Yeah, by the way, Yala says that her book was self-published, which I did not know. But that's just interesting that no one would have published it for her, being that she's the uh, clerk of court uh, in Colton County where this case uh, took place. Uh, Bernie Heaven, I'm glad they she or he mentioned this. Uh, Hey, Joel, Gigi from Pretty Lies and Alibis, our good friend, Gigi McKelvey, uh, she interviewed Rebecca Hill. I forgot about this not long ago. I think it was just a couple of weeks ago. Pretty Lies and Alibis, check it out. Uh, Could you invite her on your wonderful show? Uh, I will. I don't think uh, Rebecca Hill's talking anytime soon, but I will reach out to Gigi and maybe we'll get her on uh, 
next week to talk about all this. The rest of the week is uh, booked up uh, at the moment. Um, Amy Lawrence, lovely. What can you say about her other than she is uh, lovely? Uh, she fights for the civil rights of the wrongfully accused at the lovely law firm and uh, was on MTV's Teen Mom 2. Um, Amy Lawrence, lovely. You hate when I say that, but I love saying it. Um, is this going to go? Is it, are we going to? What is South Carolina? Let me change my question. What are the good people of South Carolina going to do if there is another trial, if he's retried? Are they going to lose I mean, their mind? Work will not be done at the lovely law firm. We're just going to have to take a month off again, okay? Um, nothing will get done in the state of South Carolina for another six weeks. Although I think they can condense this trial. I don't think we need to hear all about the um, – Maybe they will listen to our, our SDS nation and, and our guidance of how we would defend this case. Um, and do you know anything about a murder? No? Okay, thank you. And just keep doing that again. And we don't have to have three weeks of uh, a financial crimes trial. We could probably condense it down to two. Um, I think nothing will get done in the state of South Carolina. Um, but it's, Amy, it's, Amy, let me interrupt you for one second. This yeah. is such a beautiful thing. Look at this. The COE... She's yelling at someone. I will ban you in all caps. Finally, it's not me. It's someone in SCS Nation. And I love it. Welcome to my life. Welcome to my life. Continue on, Amy. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, I, I, I don't, y'all. I mean, like I said, holy shit balls. Are we really going to sit through another month or a month and a half of trial of Alec Murdoch? And then what would they do different? What did they learn? Like the second bite of the apple? I don't know. I'm just like, I'm on edge because I'm really, there's a piece of me that's like, yes, more Murdoch. And then the other part of me is like, oh, not more Murdoch, right? So I don't know. We'll wait and see. Mm. Uh, Heather Wren says it perhaps most succinctly and best. I can't say it. Uh, this is so messy. Uh, Amy Z, she's the owner of AJZ Law Firm. She's a dog lover as we are. We never go an episode without a dog barking at least once. My dog today is at school. Um, I send her there at least once a week to run out her energy at Waggle Brothers. Shout out to Waggle Brothers. They don't even know they get the free ads. Um, Amy Z, you're one of the best attorneys uh, in the state of South Carolina, as uh, told to me by your peers. Are we going to see a retrial here? And someone wants to know, if so, how far away is it? So... Um are we going to see a retrial? I think it's certainly highly possible. Um, how far away? Well, I know I was talking to the court reporter, uh, one of the court, one of the two court reporters um, in this case, and so that's usually what takes the longest is to get the transcripts. So I mean, it would be at least another six months um, because you have to have all the transcripts. You know, and the thing is, is that. You know, I, I, I see a lot of people saying, um, oh, but he's guilty. Oh, this, you know, why should he get this benefit? You know, if he's guilty, I mean, a new trial can't change the dog video. You know, it can't change all of the statements that he gave uh, right up until he learned about the dog video. Right. And, uh, and and it can't change the testimony that he's already given. So I think just being able to to have a solid conviction, doing it the right way. Um, I would feel more comfortable. Um, and so to answer your question, you know, I hope that there is a new trial just because, again, if these things are happening in these kind of trials, when are the, what are they happening about in trials that we don't hear about that don't that don't get the media and the news? And that's what's more concerning, I think. 
Uh, well said, Shelly Raposa just got home to find an STS live with Taylor and the Amy's and my STS merch arrived. The STS merch store is open for business. The COE constantly changing uh, the merch around. We had stuff for uh, fundraising for Maui. So that was cool. A lot of you guys uh, purchased there. Uh, Catherine Regier right on the uh, look at this. Catherine Regier lives in Maui. Always thinking of her new trial with dogs on the stand. Sounds like she's doing better, um, but we're always thinking that, Catherine, we're looking to do another fundraising show soon. Teresa says, justice needs to be served. It was served once. We'll see if it's served up a second time. Got to thank the uh, panel. The only reason I want another Murdoch trial is so I can get Amy Z, Amy Lawrence Lovely, and Taylor on the show a, a lot more. But we're going to get you guys on anyway for other stuff um, unrelated to Alec Murdoch either way. So, uh it's going to happen. A quick programming note tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Is there a serial killer in Chicago? Well, 16 bodies have washed up uh, in Lake Michigan and the Chicago River. And we've got um, a profiler from uh, uh, the uh, Super Sleuths team. Those are the legit real profilers. And uh, you're going to hear what she has to say, along with a veteran Chicago police officer. And tomorrow at 1230 p.m. Eastern time, there's a guy named Lenny DePaul. I watched every one of his shows. He used to have a show called Fugitive Manhunters. Uh, he was a U.S. Marshal commanding New York City's region. And uh, he's going to come on and tell us uh, the inside scoop, how they look for killers uh, as a hunt for the person that murdered Rachel Moore. And that is tomorrow at 1230 p.m. tonight, 7 p.m. Serial killer in Chicago. Is it happening? We will discuss until then. Love you, America. Love you, South Carolina. Bless all your little hearts. Even though I know that's not a good thing. Till next time. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.